0: No, you are not watching a Lockdown Hornets episode from 2017. It is true. Steve Clifford is once again the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets. We'll talk about it all today on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are locked on Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, we live. We live. <laughs> It's Locked On Hornets, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Thanks for making us your first listen. We're free, we're available on all platforms, that includes YouTube. So make sure you check us out there. And if you uh, don't know where to find us, you can follow us on our socials at Walker Mail, Doug Branson, LOH. And on Twitter, you can find the show handle at Locked On Hornets. Doug. I was at a wedding all weekend, Thursday, Friday. I was in the wedding. So I had to do the pictures, rehearsal, all of the extra stuff that you have to do when you're included in a wedding. It was out of town. And so you have you have to account for travel and all of that. And there might or might not have been some drinking involved. But what was crazy with all the hectic chaos that took place, I had this, I had this dream that the Charlotte Hornets. Not only traded Jalen Durant, and then we got on and had our depressing show and did all that draft night after the perfect scenario took place. I also had a dream that the Hornets hired old Steve Clifford. Like, remember when I made that joke last week? Remember when I made that joke? I said, wouldn't it be hilarious if Steve Clifford came on? Because he fits the bill. Head coaching experience. Yeah, Mike D'Antoni. You know, Mike D'Antoni's gone, right? Kenny Atkinson's gone. It's not like we're going to go after Mark Jackson because they didn't bring him in for an interview. You know, there's all these guys. Well, Steve Clifford's the last one. I Crazy dream, man. I, Can, I hate well, to bring well,
1: it to you, Walker.
0: Well, that
1: dream is a reality.
0: Nah, you're playing. You're playing. Steve Clifford's not the head coach. That would be ridiculous, Doug. What that would mean is that we went from Kenny Atkinson, Mm -hmm. Mike D'Antoni, which Mm -hmm. it seemed was going to be the next head coach, to then going all the way back to Steve Clifford, who they fired to hire James Borrego. That's, That's what that would mean. And you're saying that's true?
1: Uh, that is true. It was a long, uh, exhaustive uh, process. There were some young assistant coaches in the process, but ultimately they wanted to lean on somebody with head coaching experience. And mm-hmm. listen, Steve Clifford certainly has that. There's no doubt he about does. it. In fact, he has very familiar head coaching experience. He coached this team uh, from 2013 to 2018 and uh, one playoff trip for the Bobcats, one playoff trip for the Hornets.
0: Uh, yeah, all right. Let- <laughs> it's- Look, man, I, fix. I... I I loved Steve Clifford when he was here, especially like you can roll your eyes at this if you want to, like from a media standpoint, the guy was awesome because he would give you great quotes. So from a media standpoint, as far as what you're going to get from him, you're going to get real unfiltered thoughts from what he thought about the game, what he thinks about the season. That's a positive Gonna, and going Clifford. to be
1: going to be different from James Borrego, who yes, gets a is. lot of that stuff internal. Um, and. And I think, you know, there were some whispers about player accountability. And certainly I think Clifford is a response to that. He holds players accountable internally. And and he was, he didn't necessarily put players on blast, but when Jeremy Lamb, you know, He's wasn't playing defense and scoring 25 <laughs> yeah. points on offense and someone would ask, hey, yeah, Lamb scored 25 is pretty good. You know, Clifford was always good for a, yeah, great, great offense. You know, it was like, there was some coding there. It wasn't, it wasn't very difficult to decode what he was trying to say there.
0: Well, and he also would say you can be good for two weeks in the NBA. The really good players do it throughout the course of a season. That was another mm-hmm. thing that he used Jeremy Lamb as an example. So before we get to our actual thoughts on why we like or dislike this hire, we have to understand that there are a lot of new listeners to Lockdown Hornets over the last four years, right? Yeah. Like Steve Clipper was last a head coach. Yeah, it's been a long time. So he was fired in order to hire James Borrego. And now the cycle, we're doing the whole deja vu thing again. So let's talk about time as a flat circle. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for the Hornets, especially for it to happen twice. They did this already with Paul Silas and they're doing it again with Steve Clifford. Before we talk about our takes, what we like, what we dislike, the players it affects all of that. Let's just give an overview to the new listeners on who Steve Clifford is. So, Doug. I'll go with a couple of these bullet points and then you can give your thoughts and what you think is most important as well. But what happened with Steve, right? The second go around hired to be the new old <laughs> head coach of the Charlotte Hornets contract details reported by Rod Boone of the Charlotte observer that the contract is three years, but team option on the first two seasons of the deal. That's kind of interesting. What does that contract tell you before we kind of dive deeper into who Steve Clifford is? It's
1: unusual. It's unusual. For a it coach is. uh especially one familiar with the organization, you'd think you'd get a little bit of a sweetheart more sweetheart deal than this, but this is hey we can we have a team option if if things don't go well, we can get out of this very easily as a team uh it tells me that you know if uh, Clifford has to coach in win now mode this is about winning now but you there's no it's not about player development it's not about building for some distant future. Uh, Steve Clifford from the jump is going to be coaching for his job. Uh, I I don't know if that's the, the best approach, uh, but it's certainly the most cost-effective approach.
0: It's the most cost-effective. It's the most unplanned approach and steve clifford needed a job too and he was not in any of the rumors besides the lakers for just maybe two seconds and then the charlotte hornets job comes open again it's not like anybody else is hiring steve clifford and i don't know if he has a whole lot of leverage either right well, i'm like pretty sure hornets-
1: dan tony wasn't taking that deal if that was Ooh, the same kind yeah. of there was some team option a tomfoolery on that deal i'm pretty sure uh Dan Tony wasn't wasn't I,
0: hearing that. And I want to get to the Dan Tony part of this as well. Like what was happening between these two parties that just made it unable to go down like why was this unable to happen between the Hornets and Mike D'Antoni but Steve Clifford going back to him there's so much to talk about but he was an assistant from 2000 to 2013 for the Knicks for Houston Orlando and the Lakers he is a Stan Van Gundy is a Jeff Van Gundy disciple he Mm -hmm. has a lot of what he does as a coach was influenced by the Van Gundys and he was a highly thought of assistant for a long time like one of those really respected guys that never had his shot until the Charlotte Hornets finally hired him all the way back in 2013 was the head coach for five years with the Charlotte Bobcats then turned Hornets had a couple of playoff appearances two first round exits one sweep but then it was the playoff appearance that he had in 2016, where they go seven games at the Miami Heat, and then Dwayne Wade shows up, purple shirt guy. They go down, and then they're out. And then he coached Orlando after Charlotte fires him in order to get James Brego. Goes to the Magic for a few seasons, eighteen through twenty twenty one. Had two playoff first round exits, which I'm surprised honestly. I would have gone with the under if he would have asked me. Did he have two playoff appearances with Orlando? Two playoff first round exits there. So yeah. that's kind of the background of Steve Clifford.
1: Well, and the common denominator there, Walker, is that Clifford has come into two organizations now and taken younger, somewhat undisciplined squads. And improved them on the defensive end, got gotten them to the playoffs, but not necessarily gotten them over the hump. And I think, I think a lot of that has to do with the talent he was given. Because that that second playoff run on the Hornets' side, that was a 48 win team. They got him Nick Batum. It didn't end well, but at the time when they were going on that playoff run, he was a huge part of that. Um, and he he can sort of get squads to play above the level that their talent would necessarily indicate that they could play.
0: He has a scheme in the regular season that will let you be in contention. You know, there, there is not a scheme from him that, Hey, this might work or it might not. And eventually it doesn't work more often. And you're only going to win 20 games. I like it, it. He's going to get, the average level outcome from your roster. Now the question is, can't you take that next step, which is what James Brego was supposed to come in and do, and also kind of player development. Remember, Clifford, a lot of criticism that he suffered was not playing the young guys, which eventually James Brego would be, you know criticized for that as well, and not developing some of them. Now, Kimba Walker's a little bit of a different story because he was one guy that Clifford and Kimba did bond very well together you know Steve Clifford Bruce Kreitzer Mark Price those are the guys that worked on Kim Shot, that made him from a very dicey three-point shooter in order to have you know be one of the better uh, shooters at a uh, specifically a skill that is very much needed in today's NBA so there are a couple of instances that you can say hey Clifford and his staff really did a good job of developing some of those players but you know, there, there are some of those similar criticisms with Steve Clifford about player development. And it felt like, Doug, they're trying to find somebody holding players accountable, but not sacrificing one or the other win now or player development. And I think, you know, Steve Clifford probably fits more of the win now mold, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. And again, his contract would indicate that he that he has to coach that way. There's there's no mm-hmm. room for trying to develop players for next season. There might not be a next season for Steve Clifford. He's got to go out there and try to win the big 50. To get them to 50 wins or get them to 45 wins or get them to whatever number of wins is going to get them into the playoffs, um, and, and if that means going into the play-in and actually not getting blown out like James Borrego did and winning a play-in game, then that's what it means. But let's break down what, what, before we go to this next segment and talk about who this is good for and who this might not be great for, let's talk about what he's known for. And, and I think that Clifford is known for defensive schemes, mostly conservative defensive schemes, drop coverages, a lot, a lot of that going on, bringing discipline to younger teams. Uh, there's no four pillars but there were some pretty clear indications of what he expects on the offensive end of the floor and on the defensive end of the floor. He helped Kimba Walker become an all-star level player. That was much documented. Kimball was on the way to becoming just kind of an also ran in the NBA. And he helped Kimba by saying, Hey, if you develop this three point shot, it's going to unlock so much for you on, on offense. Uh, strict nine ten man rotations and playing time. You know, he gets locked into playing time. His whole philosophy is that if players don't know how much they're going to play game to game, like fringe players, you know, if you can't get them 10 minutes a game consistently, then he's not going to play them uh, until he can. He looks for groups of players that balance the floor offensively and defensively. He doesn't like to throw lineups out there that are all about offense or all about defense offensively. He only, uh, he he only lets select players crash the glass, low offensive rebound, low turnovers. This is what he said in 2018 Walker. You want to play with pace. You want to be inside out. We want to be low turnover. This is talking about the magic when he joined them. Then you look at the things that work in the league threes layups getting to the free throw line here's something interesting we could talk about this more in the in the next segment when we talk about LaMelo Ball and if this is good for him but but he gives point guards wide latitude to run the offense off of misses so you know he is i think i think there's a misconception that he is sort of a strict offensive coach that you know wants to p- call a bunch of plays. But that's not the case. Like He let Kimba run that offense. He let the point guards in Orlando run the offense. He gives them kind of simple movements to start, and then he really likes good IQ offensive players to come in and get that sort of second-layer action if that simple offensive movement doesn't open things up.
0: We know yeah, about the defense. To... <clears throat> yeah, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I just, just want to talk wrap about up the so defense. we know about
1: the defense. You know, it's personnel-dependent. Limiting transition play at all cost, defensive rebound focus. That's that's who he is. And and he's clear about that and he's consistent about that.
0: There's a pretty clear divide on what he specializes at, and it is defense. There has been something in, he's been able to establish some top ten defenses here with Charlotte. Now, my next question about this team as it pertains to Steve Clifford, he would always kind of go the Mitch Kupchak route, where Mitch Kupchak, we always play that sound by I don't know if we have it, where Kupchak says, we don't have any all-stars on this team. Steve Clifford would kind of talk about that and say, if we're going to be good in the NBA, we have to defend at a high level. We have to be top 10 in order to give ourselves a shot. And then the offense also has to creep up there along the way, but we have Mm -hmm. to play hard every night. We have to have a top 10 defense and that's the way we're going to compete. Does he view this team as a more talented roster than what he had towards his latter days coaching with a Nick Batum that was actually good then that kind of called for the max contract, Kimball Walker, some of the other pieces on that squad that contributed to a playoff appearance. Does he view LaMelo miles bridges um, PJ Washington? Does he view this group as talented as that? Or are we going to hear some of those same things? Very interested to hear what Steve Clifford has to say about what he thinks about this team makeup right now. Let's go to the next segment. Talk a little more about that coming up next on the lockdown Hornets podcast. Who will this hire be good news for and who will this hire be Bad news for. You can find out next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest sports developments, league reviews and news, including this year's NHL playoffs. Now going into Major League Baseball's regular season. We're right in the heart of it. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and the easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action bet online where the game starts. Plenty more to come on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. You are listening to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. David, it, the show's barely been
1: on. How since. are these injuries going to affect the Hornets ability to beat the Miami Heat? I'm going to go get some more buttermilk while you talk. About it.
0: <laughs> get more Hornets analysis on LockdownHornets.com you're not really helping the whole this is not time travel thing when you play those sound bites because that actually is from like 2016
1: well i didn't i didn't expect this to happen i mean i think that's an indicator (laughs) of how surprised i was at how quickly this all came together it it seemed like i mean even it felt like even rod boone believed uh that all of this was gravitating towards a mike d'antoni hire and then in just a matter of hours, uh, it felt like, oh, nope,
0: it's Steve Clifford. Well, and Mitch Kupchak tried to warn us. And I think it's not like we didn't <laughs> accept it. But Kupchak saying, in fact, we might even have a curveball coming at you. Like, uh, that's that's kind of the funny stuff that Cupcheck will bring to you. I, yeah, it's a curveball. You know, we, we saw the report from Mark Stein first. He said, here's something surprising. Steve Clifford news came across my table. You know, maybe that's something that could happen with the Charlotte Hornets. Nah, that's kind of crazy. It's hilarious that it's happening, but it's not actually going to take place where they hire Steve Clifford. And sure, it enough, doesn't
1: happen a lot in the NBA. No, I mean, we were looking it up before the show. Don Nelson, Phil Jackson, are uh, examples, obviously Paul Silas uh, with the Hornets slash Bobcats, but the, the franchise moved away before. At least there was some weird separation between that example Uh, But it happens more in the, it feels like it happens more in in the other sports. NFL, MLB, NHL have multiple examples of this occurring. Doesn't seem, there's not a tradition really of this in the
0: NBA. Well, and the names you mentioned, Phil Jackson, Don Nelson, Lenny Wilkins is somebody we came across before we hopped on the show. All of those coaches are in a tier that are considered the best coaches of all time. Lenny Wilkins, I believe, is, I, I think Pop may have passed him, but one of the most winningness coaches of all time. Phil Jackson speaks for itself. Don Nelson is one of the more adaptive guys, innovative thinking coaches to ever be wins. in the NBA. Lots, lots of, wins, of wins. So, so these guys are established legends that yeah. get a second chance after they leave for whatever reason, maybe their message runs out after a decade with that team, right. <laughs> but the Hornets franchise, they've done it twice. They bring back Paul Silas, who was a, a Charlotte legend in his own right it felt a little different. It felt like, Hey, dad, can I move in after college for these next couple of years just to get my feet on the ground? And then I'll move out of the house where this one is like, goodness gracious, it, we, we need somebody to help everything. A part of this. Um, it, it feels like we wanted to take that step. And then here's Steve Clifford coming in unexpectedly, you know, that he's the relative that moves in where wait, what I haven't seen you in three years. Um, very weird scenario. All right, Doug, you wanted to run down the players and say who it's good for, who it's not, who it's questionable for Doug LaMelo ball. What's Gotta your take on? There. Yep. All right. So LaMelo ball, is this higher good for the star of this franchise?
1: I think it can be, I- I'm leaving open the possibility that this could be good for a LaMelo ball. So I put them in both categories. It could be a good hire for LaMelo ball could be a bad hire. I think it's interesting that in the press release, that Mitch Kupchak uh, sent out on the Steve Clifford hire, he made a point to mention that Steve Clifford would be upholding the level of pace of play that developed under Borrego uh, because as much as he gives the latitude to point guards like Kimball Walker, those teams weren't known necessarily for getting up and down the floor. It was an expressed goal of Clifford's to make that happen, but it just didn't often happen. And it wasn't until the later years of James Borrego that we saw this team actually play in transition a ton. And I think that has to do a lot with the low turnover situation that, that Steve Clifford wants to foster. So I think it, it could be good for LaMelo and that it's going to bring a little bit of discipline to a team that needs a lot of discipline. And he, he does give wide latitude to point guards. Why I say it could be bad Walker is if that focus on low turnover takes away that improvisation, that yeah. freedom that LaMelo plays with that makes him so good and that LaMelo sort of internally understands is part of what makes him good and loves that, then I think it there could be some friction there.
0: Yeah, there absolutely could be. I'm a little scared about the Melo relationship, which is ultimately a big fear because he's the star of this franchise. I'm scared because Steve Clifford has demonstrated he wants players on the floor that defend and you keep using the word disciplined, which is something we said was the exact opposite of how LaMelo Melo ball played defense last year. Regardless if you think he's a good defensive player, right? He did not play disciplined. He would leave his man. He would go out and he would get the basketball from some of the big guys not paying attention. Some of that stuff is what made LaMelo great and it would turn into points and transition points for the Charlotte Hornets. Sometimes he'd leave a five on four situation where he'd have to rush back. If that happens too many times, is Steve Clifford going to become increasingly angry? I, I can't envision Steve Clifford, I mean, maybe I can to be honest with you, but man, it would have to be pretty bad for him to sit LaMelo for a large quantity of time, but there could be some real problems behind the scenes. If LaMelo doesn't stay in his spot, he's supposed to in a half court defensive setting. And I'm, I'm scared about that, Doug. Um, There there were
1: instances last season where Borrego tried to, tried to hold him accountable within a game and sat him. And then I, and I think did the right thing, which was, Hey, we're going to sit you for a few minutes. And then, you know, eventually, you know, kind of, kind of work this out um, in the game and in the off season. So, you know, I, I, I'm totally with you Walker. And I think it's all going to come down to Steve Clifford's ability to get through to a player. So what gives me a little bit of hope again, is going back to that situation with Kimball Walker where Kimball was coming off. I mean, he, just dominated that UConn team and, and was, was the UConn Huskies and led them to a national championship. Then comes in the league and struggles a little bit out of the gate with some of those same kind of issues. And, and, you know, Clifford was able to go to him and communicate with him and say, Hey, if you trust me here. If you trust me here and just implement these few things, I think I can get you to where you want. I can help you get to where you want to be. And so if Clifford can do that with Lamelo, and that relationship is established early I'm getting off to a little bit of a late start, obviously, mm-hmm. because of all of the hiring issues. But if that if that relationship forms, it, it could be it could be powerful. But I get your fear and I get fear from from, you, you know, you're, you're listening out there right now. I, if you are fearing this, I get it.
0: Last thing that does give me some hope regarding the Clifford Mello relationship. All we've heard is that Mello does crave coaching that he does want to be a lot better. Steve Clifford is a guy that is that also loves those types of players. So that is something that could work in the favor of this relationship. We'll just have to see how it unfolds. Which,
1: Which going back to the Dan Tony situation was why I thought Dan, because Dan Tony could come in with the credibility right? He could come in with the wins. He could come in with the conference championships or a conference, at least playing in the conference championship. Like he could come in with that credibility. Clifford is going to have to come in and convince him and maybe bring the Kimball Walker story with him and, and use some of those kinds of things, but he, but he can't, he's for playoff first round exits. Like he doesn't have you, he has, but I'll say this, he has worked with superstars in this league. He was, you know, the, the direct assistant that worked with Dwight Howard in L.A., which I know, you know, that situation did work out, but that guy was a superstar.
0: He's well, and in Orlando. Orlando. I mean, that's that's the thing to point to, is when Orlando, Orlando was yeah. awesome, that's and when Tracy McGrady. was a beast. He,
1: he often yeah. talks about his experience and with Tracy Houston. McGrady in Houston. So he does have that experience with those superstars. He, and, and I always got the sense that Clifford had a good philosophy about going to a player and communicating what they're doing well and what they can improve on and and not go in there with like bluster and say, you did something wrong. He knows that when players are professional, when they've been doing this game for so long, they are a little bit locked into their ways and convincing them takes a certain amount of savvy. And so I have a little bit of hope. But anyway, I think it could be good, could be bad. We're going to have to see on that one. All right.
0: Some other players. Yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's continue the 2017 theme of this show. It is the shirt in which who I am wearing, Kimba Walker, the all-time leading scorer for this Kimba! franchise. Doug, is this a good hire for Kimba Walker? I see it's it going the rundown. down. <laughs> I'm yelling Kimba! Oh no, don't, don't. Now the the mentioning of it is 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 bad. The singing of it is much worse. Um man, Kimba involved in this trade, by the way, where we <laughs> send Jalen Duran nah, to Detroit, nah. New York, don't even have first round picks. They're just trying to trade for future. That's asset. me doing a
1: chef's kiss. I know that didn't really work well over audio. That's me doing a chef's kiss. Nah.
0: Yeah. I I mean I, and what's funny is I'm not even watching the video right now. I'm looking at a different tab, so I'm experiencing what the listeners are experiencing, Any, anyway. Kimba Walker, it's, it's. I don't even know if it's already happened, but I know the Pistons are not interested in keeping Kimba on the roster. They're going to buy him out. Going to be the second time that it's happened. OKC okay, did the same thing. Um, I, you know, I look. I can't put anything past this team. I, I wouldn't think they'd go after Kemba. They're in need again. of a backup point guard. I got to move on. All right, Doug. Here's somebody that is on the roster currently. Who do you think this is going to be really good for?
1: Uh, I think, well, I think it's going to be good for JT Thor, but more importantly, it's going to be good for the more Thor movement. More Thor. Let's go. Because JT Thor is somebody that does (laughs) – Play defense. He is somebody that's committed to that end of the floor. Plays hard. You know that the minutes that he got last season were a, a bit limited, but less limited than some of his other young player counterparts. And I think because Borrego trusted that he could use him as a utility tool on defense, I think Clifford will see the same thing. And of the three rookies from last season, I give J T Thor. Uh, the most chance of playing big minutes this next season, even more than James Booknight. And I, I don't, <laughs> I thought I that even before the Clifford hire. Now I think it even more.
0: I agree. And Steve Clifford likes length. He talked about that a couple of times who doesn't? Um, throughout his tenure, Who doesn't? I want I'm going to put that on the sure. YouTube. Who doesn't sure.
1: like length?
0: He he. It felt like he emphasized it on the defensive end that you have, you know, if you're mobile and you're these big guys, of course, you're going to be a good defender Um, with the right kind of buy-in. All right, let's go through the positives here. And then in the next segment, we'll kind of go through who this uh, hire is bad for. Um, what about the fans? <laughs> what about some of the fans? What what specific fans is this a good hire for, Doug?
1: I know a lot of fans are groaning right now over this hire, okay? I mean, I've seen it. I've seen it on social media because this feels like a retread. We're going to get that in the third segment. It kind of, there's a little bit of a smell of desperation around this. But if you were a fan last season who actually watched a majority of the games and you groaned every time this Hornets team would, would make a, sometimes they would make a basket. And still give up an easy transition by oh, yeah. It wasn't even off of misses all of the time. This team was horribly undisciplined in transition, and it cost them games. and And they lost a lot of close games last season. And I think you can look back and say, "Man, if they had just been a little bit more disciplined, we're talking about margin of error thin. They could have been, you know, in the in the catbird seat in the play in, or possibly even in that last seed in the playoffs had had they made that move." Um, so if you groaned every time. The Hornets came up an easy transition bucket. I think you're you, you can at least be a little bit happy about this. And then finally miles bridges to me, Walker, this totally signals that they are going to do whatever it takes to bring back miles bridges, because you don't put a coach on a team option contract and not do everything within your power to give him players to actually go and win now. Well, maybe this team is confusing me. Maybe they do that. And that'd be crazy. Um, but I, at least it would seem like that's what they would want to do is go, you know, re-sign Miles,
0: whatever it takes. Again, Miles Bridges napping in, on defense where he lets guys cut back door. It's not going to go like over well. Feels like he wants well. to improve that, but, though. But but no, 100%. Yeah, right, exactly. So maybe Steve Clifford, Miles Bridges are able to cook something up to where he is um, able doesn't to it, you know, doesn't get it f- better I, there.
1: I know he didn't. I know he didn't. But doesn't it feel like Miles Bridges played for Clifford? I get that he didn't. Because it was that first was that transition from Mitch Kupchak into Borrego, into Miles. I had to like think about first.
0: it. I, I had to think about it for a second, and then I had to go back to James Barrego talking about Miles Bridges, saying he's always going to have a special uh, relationship with that player because they came in at the exact right. same time. But it feels, so, but like, I had to think about it too. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, because Miles is 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 he the he's the guy it's that's the played for states, the Hornets the longest. He's, he's, yeah, number one. He has played for this franchise the longest. I do think offensively getting downhill and attacking in space, that's going to work well with Steve Clifford because I kind of compare Miles to MKG in that respect, right? Where MKG's, his, his sole purpose of offense was to get to the basket. He was athletic. He made smart cuts. I think Miles has clearly more ability to handle the basketball, but also his best is when you have the freight train coming down. And I think Clifford is probably, you know, good at free throws, right? It, that's or free throws work in the NBA. I think Clifford offensively is going to be able to work with miles bridges pretty damn well. well also. Let me just
1: say this. If the Hornets improve their record, they get into the playoffs. It's going to be, it's going to be because I think miles bridges elevates his game into all star level territory. And I think that happens on the defensive end of the floor. So if all of this is successful, Somehow with a Steve Clifford hire, and we all forget about how embarrassing this whole situation has been. That it's, it's because Miles Bridges has elevated his game. If they don't resign Miles Bridges, th- then I just have no idea what they're doing. Uh, I really don't, I don't. How do you hire a coach in win now mode and then not go and and retain
0: one of the best players on the team? All right, coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm Does the rehiring of Steve uh, Steve Clifford, does it reek of desperation or was it actually pretty savvy, a savvy pivot with some of the problems that the Hornets have experienced this off season? That's coming up next on the Lockdown Hornets podcast, but not before we talk about Rock Auto. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why indoor often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning? You don't have to do that anymore. It's a family business. Rock Auto has been serving do-it-yourself selfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every single customer. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or your truck. You can write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have an amazing selection. Their prices are reliably low. All They'll have all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Who is this higher bad for? We'll talk about that coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets.
1: Develop winning habits. You know what winning habits are? Scoring things in the box score. That's what winning habits are. You compete. Rebounds, assists. Yeah, when you compete, you get rebounds. When you compete, you get assists. When you compete, you score points. It's not about effort. It's about competing. (laughs) Hey, you want to be back on the show, baby. I got you, Doug. You want to be back on the show. This is me.
0: It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. We asked if this hire was good for Kimba Walker. Is it good for Cody Zeller? No. Can we get a? Can we get the non-stat score sheet? God, Cody Zeller back. That was a young
1: player that he played uh, immediately. You know, if you're talking about, and and there's there not slight, many. <laughs> there's not many, but also I, to me, honestly, I put that on the organization. They did not. And this is what I was talking about prior to the this draft. That in that Clifford era, in my opinion, they did not prioritize. Other than MKG, they did not prioritize drafting players that were focused on the defensive end of the floor now cody zeller was somebody that played really hard and i think that to me playing hard playing disciplined and at least trying on the defensive end to understand what clifford wants to do if you're a young player if you're james book knight if you're jt thor if you're kai jones if you're mark williams that's it he'll play i think he will play you now will he start you i don't know but will he play you i think so but malik monk was not committed on the defensive end of the floor and they had issues
0: well, and also this is part of the transition I want to make because Malik Monk you're was welcome. a guy that inf- infamously—I <laughs> I didn't even hear—I'm sure it was disparaging. About I said Malik you're welcome. Munk. Yeah, uh, uh, yes, for sure. Let's go to the uh, Malik Monk conversation because Steve Clifford, infamously or famously, whatever you want to put on it, wanted Donovan Mitchell in the NBA draft. Rich mm-hmm. Cho last chance, ditch effort because this is somebody that was going to get fired. And he decided to go with what was the consensus higher pick in Malik Monk. I love Malik Monk coming out of the draft. A lot of people thought he was better than Donovan. Clearly Donovan has had a way better career through the first, I don't know, five, whatever that they've had their whole career so far. Right. Um, but I do think that probably played a part in Malik not getting a whole lot of time as a rookie. And then I think it was James Brago who also fell out of fi- uh, favor with Malik. And so yeah. that means you can blame it on Malik if you want. I also think I it was probably pretty hard. I know you do. Yes, we know. But I also don't think that Malik was given exactly the best situation when you go to a coach that actively didn't want you. Doug, Steve Clifford didn't want him. Like, that's not, that can't be a good start for any player. If your coach actively Could. fights for another player, it yeah. can't be good for that player coming into the NBA. Mo Bamba, same thing with Orlando right? Mo Bamba couldn't get much playing time. And it was weird at that point, because you're like, what's going on? Mo Bamba is a guy that you should be giving at least some experience to see what they have. And yet Steve Clifford would decide to go with some other players like you have some of those relationships that can scare you. I, I love Steve Clifford, the guy I love him in media sessions. And there's been great basketball relationships that he's formed there also have been some notable young relationships that have fell out of favor pretty damn quickly
1: yeah the young player thing is an issue and I and and we the reason why it's an issue is because Mitch Kupchak brought it up in his press conference that he wanted to see Borrego play the rookies more James Booknight Kai Jones specifically wanted to see a little bit more so how does that jive this season uh, and, and I think a lot of that's going to have to do with what James Booknight and Guy Jones and JT Thor did over the off season and, and the impression that they make on Clifford, you know, on, on day one of the, of, of, you know, when they all get together and figure this thing out. But uh, you know, how does that jive with, with the fact that you, you've brought in this coach and really given him a, a win now mandate with, uh, with that contract number. But, but I think you're right. I think outside of Mark Williams, you yeah. is sort of the guy you kind of need, um, and, and, and fits a little bit of what, what Clifford likes. I think out of players in general, uh, you know, I think this is, this is probably bad for young, not only young players, but fringe players who are looking for a shot.
0: Well, let's talk about those young players even more so, because I think Mark Williams is probably the perfect transition as far as significance to this team, being the newly acquired player, is it good for him? Yes, because Mark Williams is defensed first, clearly, which fits mm-hmm. the mold in what Steve Clifford wants to coach, but also he is a first year player, and that goes everything that pretty much goes against what Steve Clifford wants out there on the floor. So I, ultimately, ultimately, you just don't have another player like Mark Williams. I, I think Mark is a guy that wants to be good too. We've shown that improvement from the first year at Duke the last 10 games leading into this past season where he really was awesome. And I I think ultimately, if you force me to choose, I do think it's actually a good hire for Mark Williams. The other young player that matters for this team is James Booknight. And Doug, I don't think this is a good hire for James Booknight. Now, to be fair, James Borrego being here wasn't going to be good for James either. I almost got a fight. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't think Steve Clifford is going to be great for, uh, for the second year pro out of UConn
1: it doesn't it doesn't feel good and it makes me think that if they do make any more maneuvers this offseason James Booknight could you know be part of don't don't aggregate that i'm not saying, i'm not hearing anything rumors it just feel that's my feeling on the situation <laughs> is that if you're going to move one of these rookies feels like booknight uh, would, would be the rookie to move uh, on the mark williams thing i will say that one of his question marks or weaknesses is in defensive rebounding so, and, mm. and his physicality underneath, Cup which is something we know out. Clifford. I mean, he wants you banging on the boards, baby. Like that's defensive rebounding is it's, it's a, he, he has these things. I'm trying to remember. I, I think he called them like it when in, in his last run. He called them like, no, it's things that were like, not debatable. Like you have to do these things. Uh, there's a, there's a phrase I'm missing there. It's kind of a common phrase, but I'm missing it. Um, Non like non starters. I don't know. The the things that you have to do. And one of them is defensive rebounding and getting a body on a body. So for Mark Williams, that's going to be the big thing. We know you can block shots. Can you come in here, get physical underneath, get those, um, get those defensive rebounds? So that's that's on that. Um bad for the offensive rebounding numbers because Clifford is this was a team last season and the season before. They sort of made some hay on the on the offensive boards. It was a Borrego. Borrego sort of tended to like that crashing the glass is sort of some easy offense. uh, But that's not – Clifford is all about getting back in transition, not letting everybody crash the glass. So that's going to be interesting too, right, with LaMelo Ball. Because we know LaMelo Ball, now he did let MKG do that. If you're really good, you got the length, you got the sort of that Dennis Rodman-like, you know, sense for where the ball is going to be. Then I think Clifford lets you do that. It's just that he doesn't let everyone do that. He wants you getting back in transition. So, you know, I don't know if there's going to be conflict there, but I can see... You know, Lamella Ball being one of the only players that's allowed to crash the glass on the on on the offensive rebounds.
0: Well, and, and the thing about MKG, uh, MKG real quickly, too, is like when you talk about MKG being that prospect that was most known for defense, man, I mean, he was a legendary defensive prospect. That yep. guy was insane and was good at it. You know, mm-hmm. A lot of people hate on MKG. Fair. Wasn't Bradley Beal. But defensively, he was awesome, and there were numbers to suggest that I mean, his team how many was rings better with Bradley him on the Beale floor. For a while.
1: Let's get serious. How many? How many rings does Bradley Beal
0: have? Nah, exactly. He doesn't have any. More like Devin Snooker, right? He's got the, he's got the same Snooker. number as MKG. That's the answer. <laughs> That's true. Um fans we said it was good for the fans that wanted them to get back on defense who is this not good who are the fans that this is not a good hire for
1: well look if you're if you're a fan that was hoping for big name next level new shiny somebody that you could have some good feelings about that you could go to your buddies oh man the Hornets just hired Mike D'Antoni 50 wins 60 wins baby Eastern Conference Finals like if you were trying to get that kind of hype you know, we've given you a lot of information in this episode. I think you can walk away from this episode. If you're rational, if you're reasonable and, and I get fan is fanatic. It means that sometimes you're not rational. You are not reasonable. Totally understand that. But if you are those things, I think you can walk away from this episode, understanding that there is a road that leads to this working out it's just mm-hmm. the probability of that road seems kind of low and the pr behind this is really i, I who is this higher bad for the, the hornets in terms of their public relations effort uh, to sell this thing is going to be difficult to sell this thing as a as a move towards a bright future with lamelo ball is going to be a tough sell until and if we see it actually happen on the court until then walker this reeks of desperation this reeks of a team that was spurned by Kenny Atkinson couldn't make a deal with Mike D'Antoni rumors that that the Kenny Atkinson deal fell apart because of assistant coaching wanting to keep assistant coaches that yeah. you already had on the books and that may play a part in this if we see that some assistant coach now here's how here's how it could be sold hey Clifford is not a player development focused coach so you'd want to bring in some assistants that have good track records and player development. They have a few of those on their staff already. So let's keep those familiar faces for the book Knights, for the Kai Jones, for, for the JT Thors on the staff. That's how it'll be sold. But in reality, you know, it's, it's, it's getting Clifford who needed a job, who, who wanted a job, who wanted to get back into the game. Familiar face, has a relationship with Jordan that was good. Jordan seemed to not regret, but feel bad about having to move on from Clifford had a good, has had a past relationship with Mitch Kupchak in LA. And this hire just seems to be like, well, let's go get the guy that will probably be amenable to all of the demands that Mike D'Antoni might not have been amenable to.
0: Yeah. I want to just kind of go rapid fire with some of these other players. I do have one point I want to sum up with. Um, Kai Jones is interesting because Kai Jones seems a guy, if you know who Kai is, you have a problem if you don't like who he is as a dude, right? Like it it's, it's you because Kai is an amazing guy. His character is through the roof. He is the most fun player who is also an extremely raw project that the Hornets knew what they were getting into when they drafted him. So what does that look like with this specific coach and how that can all progress?
1: Same, same note on Mark Williams that I have for Kai Jones, his, his success and his ability to stay on this team and get minutes under Clifford is going to depend on his commitment to defensive discipline for learning the game, for understanding the defensive end of the floor, and for committing. So I see these videos of Kai Jones putting up a lot of three-point shots. I see him working <laughs> on his jump shot. I don't see him down low. I don't see him doing you know, I don't see a you know, multi-level. Maybe it's happening and we're just not seeing the video, but that's the question mark I have about Kai Jones is is he and the way he wants to play the game going to necessarily fit with Clifford and and you're listening right now and you're saying why does Kai Jones, this this great prospect that, that they spin a first-round pick, wouldn't spend it on Jalen Duran? by the way, wouldn't spend that first-round pick on Jalen Duran did two first round picks last season. Why should that player have to fit with Steve Clifford? Why didn't they just find a coach that fit with Kai Jones, James Booknight and the future of this organization? And to you I say, that's fair. Yeah. That's the situation we're
0: in. The the last significant player I want I'm, to talk I'm, about
1: I I am oh man, this is this is I, I just the energy around this organization because things are crazy right now. I'm not sure if it's good it or is. bad, it but is. I'm
0: I'm hype. It's bananas. It's nuts. It's all of those <laughs> Foods that indicate that it's chaotic, Um, especially with this hire of Steve Clifford. Last player I really want to talk about, like Gordon Hayward. I don't know how much of a long part of the future he is. You know, some of these other guys. The last one I do think it's important to talk about is Terry Rozier, who also we talk about the defensive side of the court. You know, he can also shoot the lights out offensively. I don't think he's the greatest decision maker in the pick and roll. Also, isn't the greatest ball mover has gotten better, but also not significantly better in that role has been a leader for this team. But how does that play out on the basketball court? Also trying to save some money because we do have the payroll situation to work out. I find that relationship pretty interesting going forward as well.
1: This hire to me says they are not done. They, they they are going to continue. It feels like this organization is going to continue to look to move either one or both Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward because I think they're going to move heaven and earth to sign Miles Bridges. Do they want to do that and retain and have to retain all of that talent and money and, and possibly go into the luxury tax? I don't think that's the priority of this organization. They don't feel like they're ready to be Big spenders, and so if that means moving a Gordon Hayward for way less than than you would expect on the value in return, or Terry Rozier, same kind of thing. You know, I, I think they're going to look, look to do that and, and do note that we're going to be talk. We had to, we kind of had to devote this whole episode to Steve Clifford, but this, this week, we got to go back to what happened at the draft. We've had a few days to think about it. We got mm-hmm. to talk about miles bridges because that moratorium ends on July 6th and we're going to get some teams, maybe putting in max offers, maybe Detroit, maybe San Antonio. And so we've got, we've got to break it all down. We're going to do it this week.
0: Yeah. I, I want to continue to do that. I want to give my overall take on Steve Clifford do because it. I feel I'm like so, I'm so I can't yeah.
1: Listen, I'm so excited for this, Walker. Right. I've been Thank waiting you. all episode for your final thought take mm-hmm. on Steve Clifford. Mm-hmm. I am ready. My body is ready. Give it to me.
0: Yeah, I appreciate all of that hype. I hope that we didn't over promise and under deliver <laughs> at the end of this. But I do appreciate all of that hype coming into the take. Doug, we had talked about throughout this offseason what took place on draft night specifically that it didn't seem this franchise had a plan from going to Mike D'Antoni to Kenny Atkinson, going back to Mike D'Antoni, who is going to be their next head coach? Why did they fire James Borrego? What direction did they want to go? Whether the name mattered or not, what was the philosophy they wanted to go with? And in the end, they end up with Steve Clifford as their head coach. And this is, a, to me, an example of this team truly not having a plan. Because when you go back to this franchise earlier, you could say, well, Not all plan A's work out. It's time to go to a plan B. It's time to go to your plan C. In fact, good teams capitalize on those things that take place when option A doesn't work out. It happens all the time in every single professional sport. But Steve Clifford, you cannot convince me that he was ever a part of the original plan, whether it be second, third, fourth, fifth option. So when he's the guy that comes in as that next head coach, That says it's within a couple of days worth of time, mind you, that says to me, they made a decision that was nowhere on the original blueprint. And that scares me because we talk about all of this and through all walks of life, being prepared sets you up for success. Does this indicate that the Charlotte Hornets were prepared? My answer is no. And I think it's pretty easy to say that you could argue that on draft night. It's a very easy way to argue that they were prepared on draft night. Hey, we like Mark Williams a lot. If we get a good enough offer that we deem able to trade Jalen Duran for and we're just going to end up with Mark Williams at 15 anyway, we're going to pull the trigger on that. And boom, that's exactly what happened. We hated the Jalen Duran trade. We were all in love with that pick, and we don't find it very feasible to trade him for a 20 pick, most likely for the Denver Nuggets. But it's pretty easy to say they could have planned for that. How in the world do you sell me? Do you sell the fans? Do you sell any people in the world of basketball that this was always a part, no matter how far down the page of your original plan? And that's what scares me about this franchise.
1: Well, Clifford was literally Clifford, the C in Clifford stands for plan C. It was Kenny Atkinson. (laughs) It was D'Antoni. Now Clifford is absolutely plan C. Uh, I'm giving an opportunity for it to all work out because I think the Hornets are going to get and deserve a lot of criticism and ridicule for this move. But if, if Clifford is able to come in, Clifford's never had even a player that had a potential to be a superstar. I I mean, he had some young players in Orlando, but you know, Jonathan Isaac's not going to be a superstar. Mo Bamba is not going to be a superstar. LaMelo ball is the first opportunity he has to actually head coach some of the players that in the past he's had the opportunity to work directly with. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that makes this somewhat interesting, but I get all of the fear. My final thought on all of this Walker, are you ready? Are
0: you ready? I'm as ready as you were for my take, baby. Let's hear it.
1: We can finally 100% say that we can forget about Vogel
0: goodness. Miles Turner, not so much, but we can forget, we can about, forget Frank about Frank Vogel. Vogel. <laughs> um, Yeah, no more Frank Vogel. Instead, it's Steve Clifford making an appearance once again as the head coach of the Charlotte Hornets franchise. We're going to have you covered for the rest of the week, the rest of the offseason with plenty more changes to come. Miles Bridges, restricted free agency. How is that all going to play out? You can listen to us daily here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast by making us your first listen every single day. For your second listen, get up to date on- on the latest news and rumors in the NBA in just 30 minutes every day as well with Locked On NBA. Locked On NBA is your daily NBA update in just 30 minutes. We'll we'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks again for joining us on the Locked On Hornets podcast.